0: What made you um, come to this decision to receive your mokokauai this morning?
1: I don't think this decision to be here right at this moment happened um, as an instant response. It was a combination of events, personal events. It was uh, timely. Uh, my father passed away, papa passed away on the 30th of October last year and he's a sixth-descendant generation of Hekka. It became very clear to me at that moment. It was almost a moment in time. OK, am I, I was asking this question, am I going to receive my moko narano
0: Naranoa Renata is a rungoa Māori practitioner. Today her family are here to support her as she receives her moko kawai with Tāmako artist Julie Palmer-Pingali.
2: I kind of feel like the resurgence in Kowai should be bigger. I feel like it's not happening enough, and I probably do six to ten a year, kawai, and pūhoro, um, I've had a few on the go, probably around about the same.
0: Last week on the show, Te Ahika was in Ngunguru, in the Northland, where we met Tāmako artist Anikaro Harawira, along with Anna Maki who received a moko Kowai, a traditional facial Māori tattoo. Tonight's episode we revisit this kaupapa and talk about the work, the style, the practices and views of wahine Māori tāmoko artists. In this continuing series, Tāmoko Sessions, I'm at Art and Body Studios at Mount Maunganui. E aku nui, e kia ngā kai mai haramai anō ki hōtaka o tiahika. This is Tiahika on RNZ National, I'm Justine Murray
3: language is fish whoa, language of apple, speaks level, without any words.
2: Ngā mihi uh, kia koe, kia koutou kia tātou katoa. Ko tōku ingoa, uh, ko Mauau te Maunga, Tauranga te Moana, te Pai te tangasa, ngai te rangi te iwi, um, tihei mauri ora.
0: Julie Palmer Pengeli was raised in New Plymouth. At the age of three, her father died in a car accident. She has whakapapa or lineage to the first settlers of Taranaki on her mum's side. Her dad is from Matakana Island in Tauranga. Julie spent most of her childhood in Wellington where she attended boarding school and from there she embarked on a career in academia at Massey University in Palmerston North. You did a Masters in Third World Development.
2: Yeah, that's kind of interesting because when I was studying my undergrad, my Bachelor of Arts in Anthropology, um, I started taking a lot of, there wasn't a lot in Māori studies that was kind of I hate to say it, interesting at the time, like they didn't have many papers, but um, there was quite a big interest in um, Polynesian, and so I, um, quite early on, Croz Walsh was in charge of um, geography and the third world development, which was a postgraduate programme, and I took all the Polynesian Pacific papers and then... You know, I went to Fiji when the coup was on I could see the colonisation dynamic right there It was like looking at us a hundred and something years ago And going, oh, I see how it works Coca-Cola, cigarettes You know, the impact on a culture And, and so it led me to do the development studies So I've kind of always got that You know, what's the impact of what you do approach to cultural revival mm-hmm. um, How you treat culture, how you treat now Um, what's the future impact.
0: And did you aspire
2: to go overseas and work? Oh, I did, actually. Oh, you did? I've always aspired to um, work in the third world. But then, you know, I looked at my skills and I thought, well, we're a third world in a lot of aspects here. So what my energy is best doing is what I do best here.
0: Years later, with her family in tow, she moved back to Tauranga, partly on a mission to reconnect to her father's side and take up a position at Te Whare or o Yarangi, whose Her studio is in the heart of Mount Maunganui, which is not a bad backdrop.
2: I didn't realise how, how much the environment actually means to me until I moved here, and I'm really lucky because I can look straight out my bedroom window straight to Moa and yeah, just admire it. It's beautiful. Even though I can't see Matakana from there, um, yep. and the beach, of course, yeah. it's amazing in Mount.
0: So, Julie, were you exposed to Tamuku at all um, by your
2: elders? Did your kua uh, mātua, have moko? Um, there's probably not at that time, um, but there is moko amongst my um, tupuna Matakana, but there's kind of our iwi are a little bit with it, you know, I'm, I'm sort of oh, I really want my kawai, but um, my aunties are all like, no, no and I'm like, you know at that kind of impasse of do I get it first, do I try and push my aunties, everyone's got this misconception that um, they have to have the and they have to have all those things and I'm kind of like, back then you just had to be 15 <laughs> or not, and the, the reo was a given um, so, why are you putting all these? And, and really, it's fear. I think fear drives a lot of it fear of how people are going to see them. They're going to think they're hee. My mother is um, a pākehā and she has real issues with it. And so, for a lot of family, there's that too. You know, there's that trying to please everybody in the family. There is a rich history of it here, but it's a little bit slower at the revival here. Um, And also within our whakaero, our pieces are really old. You know, the whakaero that I studied was um, Cody point combs, you know, things that were found Mm. years ago. Um, Our wharinui are often carved. And it was the same for moko by people that travelled here to do it.
0: In 2012, Julie opened her studio, Art & Body, which specialises in piercing, tattooing, tāmoko and a range of beauty services. The interior resembles the flow of a bus. Her art is featured on the walls, it's for sale, and on occasion she hosts guest artists from overseas. The idea to set up her own studio was made on a whim.
2: Yeah, and I just woke up one morning and thought, oh, my God, I've got it. <laughs> um, yeah, I virtually did. I watched everyone come and go around the mountain. I thought... Because my my thing about um, being involved with Māori things, and I was involved with a wānanga, is that Māori have to create ways of talking to the other. If we're just in our own environment going, te ranga, rangatira, Tunga and you should, be you know, honour our land in that, when actually not involving... We're not developing a discussion to defend ourselves or to talk to the other or to, for them to actually build bridges to us. And so, in, in my painting practice, I very much, um, it's a public art gallery and I want to talk to the discussion between Māori and Pākehā. So, when I came up with this space, I wanted to create, I didn't, it wouldn't have worked for me to create this massive Polynesian space in Mount Wanganui. It just no one would have rented me a shop for a start. Did you feel
0: like you would alienate, alienate people?
2: Yeah, <clears throat> um, no one would rent me a studio for a start. It's hard enough as a tattooist to get a studio in the Mount, um, and no one would come because i would feel threatened. And I've had an art, um, contemporary art gallery, and and that, and people felt threatened walking in. Um, my thing was okay. One, create a, an environment where it didn't have that whole tattoo feel, that threatening sort of. Old school tattoo, and to create an environment where there was no stigma to Maori and it wasn't going to be overt, but where other people could see Maori and you know how Maori interacted with. It wasn't a market driven um, decision. It was very much a a cultural acceptance decision. Tauranga is very, you know, Maori aren't well represented here, and there's quite a lot of um, elderly and people with, you know, old views and I wanted to convert them so, you know, the two million dollar woman with getting her nails done would kind of see some Mori stuff happening. Yeah. And I wanted my 70 year old Mori clients to feel comfortable in an environment so the bus was accidental really, it was just (laughs) I was just looking for a way to mirror I'm not sure why without being, you know patsy pink and now, that if I was doing it now, I'd probably do a waka. When it comes to
0: Tāmoko, I understand it started for you around about 1990, 1991, with um, Derek Lardelli especially played um, a pivotal role, really.
2: Yeah, um, I remember, I mean, I actually met Rangi around about that same time too, who, and we were, you know, obviously young.
0: Julie's former partner is renowned tamako artist and sculptor Rangi Kipa.
2: Um, And I was doing teacher training, one-year teacher training, and I met people that would would all become important, actually, Robert Yonke and Derek Lardelli on a teacher in service art course, and um, that's what really inspired me. Derek was profiling um, Te Aote Rangi Clamp, who's moko... Puhoro he'd done, he'd a puhoro done. is a thermical design on the front and
0: back of the thighs and buttocks.
2: And saw Derek um, doing Piticea, doing his Puhoro. And then Which features on a um magazine. Yes. So if you were looking for dates and secrets, yep. you could kind of go. He's kind of with a uh, holding a, yeah. a medi, yes. And and of course that all those first experiences um, had a huge impact and um, Rangi and I had already had a connection through art and, and he was already interested in it um, as well on, on receiving Mukul, but what happens when you want to receive it and you can't find anyone is you end up doing it.
3: Ah, okay. <laughs> right? yes. so,
2: yeah, we ended up doing our first, um, we did an art commission together for a health provider to buy gear and that's how we started um, doing Mukul. But I was already on that sort of Maori art journey I'd already kind of got quite a depth of research and study through um, Massey University so did your degree in anthropology Well I started a degree sense. in anthropology because there was that was what everyone kind of did as Maori artists you know it didn't seem like art made sense in that Western s- style of art and so I'd started doing a, actually started a BA in education and psych and hated it <laughs> and <laughs> and took one anthropology paper and loved it and sort of swapped over and and through that met um, Robert Yonke and, and he was developing this art, Maori art degree and so I kind of followed that journey and in between um, teacher training and then came back and was grad assistant on that programme and completed the programme um, and that was awesome it's still an awesome degree you know It struggles in Palmerston North, but, um, you know, I'm really proud of all the graduates I see of that programme. So at that stage, we were travelling around, you know, to people's homes, travelling to Marae, and that was the whole... That was where the groundswell was coming from. No-one had studios. (laughs) There's just um, four or five people doing it, In in a controlled environment, you know, and there weren't issues at that time about health and safety. Well, no, I mean everyone was aware of the Samoan um, that there'd been some issues in the Samoan community, and at one time we were, you know, our Ropu was consulted on those skin and piercing guidelines because what what they didn't want to do was go no, you know, you can't do it the traditional way, which has kind of had a bit of foresight about that. But yes, we want to offer some guidelines as to this is good practice. Um, back then we had to make our own needles, we needed an autoclave to sterilise, you couldn't buy plastics and disposables, you know, it was quite time consuming. And that was the tradition of tattoo, but we didn't kind of fudge it and not wear gloves and things like that. And quite early on, um, Toy Māori kind of saw the groundswell and formed a committee called Te Uhi. And that helped us kind of get that out there amongst everybody. It, it actually gave Moko quite a lot of mana
1: to have, you that. know, with
2: young, with the young people coming up. We did a lot of public things like at um matatini, you mm. know, public Moko demonstrations, and and now, you know, I look at how many people are doing Moko, and I don't think they'd believe what it was like, you know, right back then. It's quite amazing. When it came to the needle on
0: the skin and designs, how did that come about? Were you taught how to particular designs?
2: Well, I did quite a lot of design um, education through my um, degree, but one of the most valuable things, I guess, um, that we learnt in the absence of having all these people that could teach you was to research, to talk to people, to look at designs, to look at old photographs, to look at things with a critical eye and not just read it and take it for granted. You know, because people say to me all the time things like, oh, you know, woman didn't wear moko pūhoro or um, woman didn't do moko, right? (laughs) And all those sorts of things. And if you, you know, if you need to validate, you need to actually be sure that you can qualify those things by researching. So all the designs, obviously... We had such a thorough degree that we, I think I've read every single book and seen every picture that there could possibly be in in most libraries and that. But obviously it's a dynamic process as well. Now now every artist is evolving their own styles and and their own way of um, intelligently um, advancing the designs.
0: In the early 1990s, women, wahine Māori tāmako artists were few and far between. The industry was dominated by male. Arguably, it still is. So I asked Julie whether that environment was challenging.
2: To put it in perspective, I kind of understand in a way too. I understand um, all the barriers and um, that doesn't make it any easier. But um, obviously I had my own as well. Mm. You know, often it would... Determine how I behaved and how I um, put other people forward instead of myself. But some of the artists would kind of say, When are you going to do it? When are you going to do Mukul Sis? When are you going to do it? Because I was always in it and I stretched for a long time. You know, I stretched the skin and assisted. Oh, right. You, so you. Yeah, so um, Rangi was doing a job and I stretched quite a lot in it. And, you know, people would always ask me, because I'm always in the art arena, When are you going to do it, sis? And then when I did, they were like, What? you're you're doing moko on men and I'm like well you were just flashing really private pictures of women and you kind of have a problem with me doing it on men and then then there's always people will vocalise their support but by their actions won't be supportive. Often the woman saw me as threatening too you know because uh, at that stage we moved as a team and that was um, a good thing but other women found me threatening, and they didn't like me. They didn't like me making decisions about moko, um, and so I tried to, you know, what's the opposite of validate? <laughs> Unvalidate what i my learning and what I'd learnt and what I'd gone through to be doing it. Um, so being in a partnership wasn't always complimentary um, to it. And now I see being a woman in it as as an advantage. I feel like. Um, people are more trusting in a little bit, and I don't know, I mean, in our studio we have all women. It's more about our client than ourselves, Um, and I find the energy kind of back then was, you know, it's all in revival and, you know, go-go, and you need that sort of go-go to um, do it, but now things are settled, and... And everyone's worked out their own sort of modus operandis you yep. know um, and people have choices about how they choose how to go and receive more course so but still um, I think within the tattoo industry you know there's a lot of sexism you know I've had responses to images like people you know criticize them online and saying, "Oh a woman never got that where did you get that information from and and so I've continued to have to validate the practice for other women as well. But luckily, look, there's a, there's a number of women. I mean, we've talked about a few, but there's, you know, there's probably at least 20 women um, doing moko. As part of this series, Tāmoko
0: Sessions, I asked the artists about their views of kirituhi. Now, kirituhi, the word is defined as non-traditional tattooing, that it has no whakapapa. But Julie disputes that.
2: I mean, I'm pretty progressive in that sense. Like, I've had some views in the past, like about Pākehā getting Māori, and but those views have always been relevant of the time. Like at the time of revival, I, I didn't believe in Pākehā getting Māori because I believed it deprived our communities. So it was for us to, you know, share it with ourselves and feel proud first, and deprived not feel deprived in the sense that it took away from our people. Well. You know, even if you talk about kōhā or, or however people were getting it, if a Pakia came and got it and yet a whole lot of Māori didn't feel like they were entitled to it, didn't feel in control of it, didn't feel the manner of it had fa- had fallen on them, then it was really unfair to externalise it. For me it was about um, making sure it was healthy in our community. And and then there was a role for Pakia to play. Obviously today, you know, now there's a wide range of indigenous people that come and get moko. And that's because um, the artists are actually in control of the matauranga and and, and actually they're responsible for what they do. Um, And there's people that support our journey and getting it out there is supportive of our journey. It's healthy now, and our people have a choice. But back then, you know, so my... Thoughts on it have evolved significantly. I don't believe in kiriti. I don't believe in the word. The reason I don't believe in it is I believe that the language that I'm using is moko, and as long as I'm doing it, I would never half do a tattoo on anyone, or pretend tattoo, or not quite a Maori design, and therefore as long as I'm doing it on someone, it's moko. There's no kind of half moko or... So I don't believe in the name, um, and I get why people use it. But um, I believe the mana still sits with mukul, so it's more appropriate to use that. Yeah, because I think the well, the term that I've certainly
0: heard is that Tuhi has absolutely no papa Yeah, but in that's it.
2: that's wrong because when I when I do a piece on um, someone who doesn't whakapapa Māori, I put this whakapapa in the the moko in the design, and I will use that to any any bit of information I will use to represent the public. Yes. Julie has taught
0: art and design at tertiary level. She has held exhibitions in Aotearoa, America, Canada and the Pacific Islands. In 2008 she was the artist in residence at the Northwest School of Art in Texas. In 2010 her book Mardi Art and Design, weaving, painting, carving and architecture was published. But back to Ngaranua Renata, who we heard at the start of the show. She's undertaking her moko She explains here how she prepared for the session and the reasons why she chose to get this done.
1: I became very focused on that uh, thought that just became embedded in, in my Fatumanua and followed through and realised that it, we'd been carrying this matriarchal lineage on my mother's side through my great-great-grandmother Petty Kingi, who became Petty Rudolph, and from my mother's um, hapu Ngāti So I spoke directly with my cousin Kura Te Warirewiri, about... The artist? The artist, yes, yes, who I so much respect for my tua kāna Kura, and we embarked on a conversation and she said, oh, if, if I'm going to have it done, it will be done by Julie. And I went, OK, I'll call her. And then, of course, Kuda was, had to, for many reasons, I still don't know them all, and but they're all valid, I'm sure, yes. she, she was unable to join me. Also, the, the intention was for both of you to receive it? Absolutely. We, we descend from the same grandmother, that, that lineage It feels like you've been ready for a while to do this. Um, Yes, I think my preparation has been inspiration. At times I have fasted, taken no food. I also take rungoa. So it was in terms of my tēnana, preparing my tēnana, also preparing my kauai. Because one thing that struck me, and I want to share this with you at at the tangihanga of my... Talk to Papa. He had such a beautiful line in his kowai, and I went, "Well, Papa, I know that you used it well while you were alive. So I honour that. I will honour that too. It was just such a beautiful um, moment for me to acknowledge that the kowai was more than a physical part of your body. It was something you use to articulate feelings, thoughts." Uh, visions, dreams, mm. moya, <laughs> And so preparation had gone on many le- on different levels. And then I even thought, oh, yesterday I thought, oh, I'll, I'll fast all day. Well, we were at a smorgasbord. I said, oh, maybe not.
0: <laughs> Who took you to a smorgasbord when you are trying to fast?
1: Exactly, exactly. I thought I was going to. No, that's not going to happen today.
3: <laughs>
0: so the conversations between you and, of course, your artist, Julie, uh, what has that been like in the last few... Like, Do you know the design? Is it, is it a concept from your
1: Papa in terms of what it would look like? To be honest, I had complete faith that who I was engaging with, which was Julie, that that would be her to offer. And I would have no idea, although I had... Uh, photographs of my great-great-grandmother who died when she was 114.
0: Oh, my Peti, goodness. Petty
1: kingi. And was very respected in our community, our village. In, I call it a village, Kaio, in Whangaroa. I have seen many designs. I've been to the privileges of watching moko as people are talking to me. I'm, l- I'm looking at their designs yep, and thinking, Intricacy, yep. Oh, no. Ah, okay But the question that she did ask me uh, Two days ago was Do you want your chin uh, Do you want your lips done? And I thought I'm not sure, therefore no But the design uh, Yes, looking at my great-great-grandmother's photo On many occasions I thought, no, I'm not going to copy How can I do that? that? That wouldn't be at all Appropriate
2: Do you have your puhoro done? No, but that's my next one, and I'm not going to divulge. You know. I've got an artist in mind. OK. She see. doesn't know yet. Oh, right. Yeah, but note, note I said she, so. And that's how I kind of felt about my um, kauai, too. I just wanted to maybe wait till I was confident about us. you doing that, too, yep. rather than just go ahead and, Yeah.
0: Julie, thank you so much. Thank you so much That's for your fun. insight, for your koreo about how it started for you, obviously, then and now. Noreira, tenete kwe kia, kia ora. Kia ora. Julie Galli renata thank you for allowing tiahika to record this taumako session for more information pictures head to rnz.co.nz/tiahika ana naitemihika koto kato nga kaifakarongo mauritseu mauri ora
3: this language is fisho language of vaapla Speaks language without any words, handed down by our forefathers to give us a glimpse of who we really are. I'm talking about Moko, I'm ah, Moko. I'm talking about Moko. This ain't no tattoo. Tassi- skin and fight within. We went out by on the outside and walked without two on side by side. Of our culture, this generation's fiber has been destroyed. I'm not going for lose. it's deeper than the skin. I just wanna carry my fuck up, upper. No matter what country I'm in, I'm talking about bubble. Skin. F- we wear our pride on the outside and walk with our two women side by side. will control you the tools of our ancestors here to call them new you a lot of our being is dying without our elder. things need to change if we're to return to a golden age I'm talking about Mopo, the Mopo. I'm talking about more call. This ain't no tattoo. Listen to our skin and foul deep within. We wear our pride on the outside and walk with darkness on us side by side.